Storygram Network. Hosting for this podcast is generously provided by Transistor at Transistor.fm. We go to work and when we're off, we whine about our day. We sip our cares away and you can do the same because you're in a safe place when you're whining with nurses. Hello. Hello. I'm Kat. Welcome to Whining, Whining with, with nurses. nurses. You didn't say who you were. How are they going to know? Oh, I'm about to say it right now. I'm Sarah. Oh. oh, hi, Sarah. What are you drinking tonight? Wait, who are you? I said I'm Kat. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I missed it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Has hi, the Kat, wine nice already said it? Um. So I just opened this really, I'm going to tell you first because it's, this is a delicious bottle of wine. Ooh, I, I had, think I've had that, but go ahead. Tell us all. I just recognize the label. That's so pretty. Yeah, it's a beautiful label. It's called Benzinger Family Winery. It's a Sauve Blanc and uh, vintage 2021. They are a certified sustainable grape growing program. So they are one of the first California early pioneers of certified sustainable farming 35 years ago. Um, and it's just a delicious wine. It's lemony, grapefruit, melon. It's very sweet, um, mm. like full bodied mm. for like a white. Yeah, it's really delicious. Mm. Girl, you've been on a savvy bee kick lately. You know, honestly, that's okay. It's a little sweet, but it's very good. Um, I just, I can't drink red wine anymore because like mm. two sips in, I feel terrible. So, and Sauve Blanc is just kind of my favorite. Talk. I should branch out. I will branch out for the next no, episode. No, 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 Don't do that on my account or for our listeners. Drink what you like. This is your wine drinking experience. <laughs> well, I should. I, I was like, I almost got champagne for tonight because that sounded, or sparkling wine, I should say. It just sounded really good, but... Um, anyway, the next one, I'm going to do something different. What are you drinking? Oh, I'm going to stick with my leathery tobacco infused oh. reds. Um, I'm still <laughs> drinking this pot belly red from two or three weeks ago. Just kidding. <laughs> um, it's still good. We recorded another episode. <laughs> um, it's delicious. Charlotte's red from Monterey County red wine. Doesn't say the year. Um, it's a blend of Cabernet Sauvignon and Petite Syrah, and I love it. For our little Petite Syrah. Mm-hmm. You are a Petite Syrah. You're my Petite Syrah. You should Where? see me right now. I'm not as petite as I usually am. I've been putting the pounds on, and I don't Aww. care. I'm not, like, self-conscious about it. I've just been eating a bunch and, like, getting to my winter weight and trying to make my booty grow. And I know it's everything's going to even out eventually, but it's Christmas time, you know, when we're recording this, and I figure... <laughs> I'm just going to enjoy the season. And you're also in like a new relationship and, you know, there's like the freshman <laughs> 15 for a relationship. So that's, has that happened to you before? <laughs> yeah, it totally oh, has. Okay. And we okay. might be okay. at that point now, although he's been losing mm. weight and I've been yeah. gaining all the weight. Always. When we first met, neither of us ever ate anything. We just were like mm-hmm. too focused on like each other. And I was like, I just only need one piece of pineapple right. for the entire day. 
I just need your gaze to fill my stomach for eight days. Yeah. In new relationships, I always like didn't need to eat. I just, I didn't want to, I didn't need to. And then it like sets in and you start eating a whole bunch and you're just staying home together and eating and hanging out, watching TV. And then, yeah, you're like, whoa. In the How beginning, it's like the Eagle song. When we're hungry, love will keep us alive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's so <laughs> it's so true in the beginning. It's so true. That's probably why they wrote the song. We've cracked it. You've cracked it. <laughs> so uh, speaking la- of eating a ton and putting on the pounds, how many snacks do you have at work right now? <laughs> oh, my gosh. The holiday? Okay, so in L&D, some patients will bring these, like, thank you baskets or gift baskets, whatever, to the L&D nurses. So we often will have snacks around. Not all the time. This is periodically. Um, but... Man, Christmas is like another story. There's there's celebrations. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think like either other departments or not, maybe not other hospital departments, but other entities that come to the hospital or work with us will say a big, massive thank you. I could sit in one of these baskets. Like a, I mean, I'm not a big person, but I could probably shove myself into one. <laughs> they have like <laughs> that big a lot of basket, of huh? Trees. <laughs> Actually, to be fair, I think the really big basket was the nurse that works with us. And she brought these really incredibly soft and cute Christmas socks with like hot chocolate and a ribbon and a little like cute little pun. And it was very sweet. And I think it was her really big basket. But there are big baskets with, <laughs> I mean, chocolate. I'm Being a diabetic, it's really tough because it like three in the morning, I want like a really good treat. And I'm watching everyone eat candy. We have like a candy drawer. Um and treats and it's tough to resist but thankfully then yeah. i'm on my feet all night so it, it helps a little are there <laughs> <laughs> but not really not really not really um tons of treats but it's delicious and yummy and i kind of wish it was all year round <laughs> maybe if it was my- all year round i would be able to resist it more easily but mm. the past week or so so our first of all, our kitchen that we use for our patients and the staff, it, it's really weird. It's tiny. And this is just what? like, it's just a really old hospital. And they do wait, things wait, a so little differently Wait, wait, so the patients there. go into the same place you go to like heat up your lunch? No, the patients never go in. It's just like, that's where our little fridge with juices and milks oh, and stuff is. I see. And patient supplies, like the pantry. But then mm. also everybody keeps their lunches in there and like coffees and whatever. Um Anyway, it's it's Christmas time and there's been so much stuff in there. So giant tins of those buttery cookies, you know, and then the giant mm. tins of like the chocolate dip pastries. And this week there's been cake almost every day. So it was somebody's birthday and I think someone brought in cake and someone else also brought in little mini cakes on the day that they thought that person was working and she didn't work. And so then Everybody ate those cakes, and then the next day there was another cake because she was there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, everyone's bringing in a little Christmas goodie. And someone brought in the other day a bag full of um, uh, Burt's Bees chapsticks and a little cedar ornament. Um, something's happening. Is your phone vibrating or something? Is my phone vibrating? Oh, sorry. Nothing. I'm hearing things. Oh. Never mind. <laughs> okay. I I have it on. Do not disturb. Um, um, all right. Anyway, uh, so Burt's Bees chapsticks and cedar ornaments. And I was like, that's oh. great because that doesn't have any calories. and uh, <laughs> No calorie. 
Today, somebody this- brought in a bunch of mandarins. So that was a good change too. But in general, I be eating cake every day. Yes. Oh, but it's like the mandarins, but then there's cookies. So how do you... Yes. I want to go, I know I should go for the mandarin, so I'll go for the like the mandarin and then I'll also end up eating the treat and yes. it's just like a, a double calorie. As long as you eat the mandarin first and right. then you can eat your treat guilt-free. Mm, yeah, it erases that. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's it's so good. I did bring, I brought Christmas cookies. Corey and I made some Christmas cookies, so I brought them to work recently. What kind? What'd you make? They were... So I need just like the typical like um, vanilla or shortbread, I don't know, Christmas <laughs> sugar cookies, sorry, sugar yes. cookies with delicious colored vanilla fro- uh, buttercream frosting. Mm-hmm. And then I made a second version, which was lemon buttercream from Meyer <gasps> Lemons from my neighbor's tree. Mm, they I were... love lemon desserts. Yes. Uh, well, I should... Uh, make them again and I'll mail you some. <laughs> and you. No, I'll come and visit at some point because um, I just, I want to see everyone. Also, I made little ornaments out of wine corks um, oh. and I want to, I want to give you one. So anyway, that we'll do be... an exchange at some point. Yeah, that would be so <laughs> nice. Is this a WWN on it? It doesn't. It's just yeah. little, uh, I'll put a, I'll put a picture on the Instagram cause they're pretty darn cute. And I'm proud of myself. I had this tradition of making, um, ornaments out of wine corks and other objects, not just wine corks and sending them to my family every year. And then the past couple of years I got out of the habit cause like mom was sick and COVID was happening and I was just, you know, really sad. I didn't really accomplish a whole lot <laughs> of my normal things. Um, Anyway, this year I picked it back up. I made the wine cork ornaments. I'm giving them out and they're adorable. Oh, I'm excited to see them. Uh, I need so some what more else is happening? Ornaments. What else is happening? Um, we're Not to put you on the spot, but <laughs> like still trying to have a baby? Oh, I don't know. so it's still on the PNV. I mean, very rarely. It's just impossible. I don't understand how people with children or live with family do it. There's literally no time. Literally no time. Like, living with three other adults and a two-year-old, and you work, literally work completely opposite schedules, like day and night Mm -hmm. schedules. I don't, Mm -hmm. there's, there's no, there's no time. (laughs) Which is sad for a relationship, let alone trying to have another baby. And then a lot of crazy, like scary stuff has happened to some patients at work. And then it makes me kind of like anxious about getting older and having another kid with diabetes and getting older. Cause once you're like 35, you're considered AMA again, advanced maternal age. Oh, um, <laughs> thinking the other AMA. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, like really it's against medical advice. Yeah, they advise no. against it. That's kind of presumptuous and like rude. <laughs> No, I mean, and not necessarily that anything would happen, but I had preeclampsia before. So just thinking about all of that stuff and I don't know. Mm-hmm. So like I want, I, 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 anyway, it's tough. At some point I'll do it and then I'll just drink something else for the podcast <laughs> when I'm pregnant, which hopefully will be soon. But I just keep taking pregnancy tests for no reason. Like it doesn't even make sense because like, we happened to do it. Time wasn't even ovulating, but I'm like, I'm just going to take a pee on a stick like every single day. 
like starting day two, <laughs> it's like <laughs> you, you can't get a positive for like two weeks at least. I'm like, well, it's been like two or three days. I'm just going to see. Let's I wasn't even ovulating, but let's try anyway. Yeah. Let's look and see. Yeah. So Cora, Cora knows now because I have my little, I take one of Carter's shot glasses and I pee in that and I dip the thing and he's like, I'm never, I can never use that. I, I got that in like some other country. Now I can never use it. I was like, Carter, I've peed in all your shot glasses over the years. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm just all. That's so funny. Oh my gosh. Plus it's just pee. Come on. Um, some people like that actually. Some um, people like, oh. Let me ask you. Oh, wait, what were you going to say? No, no. I'm just, you just reminded me of something I'm going to poke him about later. Now, thank you. Okay. Not involving um, me, but anyway. <laughs> I going. heard on one one of my favorite podcasts recently, My Favorite Murder, somebody re- wrote into their show and they were talking about when they were growing up and when you would go to the doctor, you had to like pee in a cup and take it with you to the doctor's office. And mm. one of the hosts on there had never heard of that. And I was like, oh no, we did that all the time. I remember my mom getting a cup out of my grandma's house and having me pee in that or just like whatever cup from our house. And we would just put some saran wrap on it and take it to the doctor and that. Did you what? ever do that? Yeah. No, it's because you grew up in a hilly billy town. <laughs> <laughs> We Our did not seem pretty advanced, but like, yeah, we did that. <laughs> pretty advanced. Oh, I like the I like the mug you chose today. <laughs> <laughs> the um, uh, seafoam green with the little white uh, yeah. Santa looking trim, classic. <laughs> uh, nope, no, it, we did not do that. I wonder if they would even accept that these days. If it's not like their cup at their facility, <clears throat> like. They have it time stamped, you know. Yeah, probably not. Oh, but which is kind of shitty because do in those days, ex- <laughs> and it, it's hard to get urine samples from kids. Yeah, and like I was worried about her. I'm always paranoid something's wrong with her, but I was like, oh, maybe she has a UTI, and I was like, maybe you want me to try and get her to like pee. And um, I, then I was thinking, would they even accept it? I put it in like a mason jar with a label. <laughs> And then I was thinking they probably wouldn't even accept it because they don't know the it's label. from her, Pee-pee. right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I was very nursey. I wrote like urine at, and I wrote like military time and the date. And that is very it was nursey. very clear. And she was very hydrated, by the way, in case you care. But... Storygram Network. Hello, welcome to One Media, One Media. I'm your host, Takeshi, and with me I have Santos, and we take two pieces of media, and we take a deep dive on them. Kind of. We just talk about it. Kind of. Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? It's the intersection of possibility, where what-ifs and why-nots collide. Some on the cutting edge, others on the cutting room floor. It's a place I like to call The Bleed. We sip our cares away, and you can do the same, cause you're in a safe place when you're whining with nurses. Storygram Network. Wow, what a good yeah. baby. I know, I know. <laughs> well, great. should we talk about nursing stuff? Oh, I guess. <laughs> Speaking of nursing. Speaking um, of nursing. 
whoops, sorry, I'm just banging into things over here. Um, So we were going to talk about orientation tonight, which I'm still in the middle of at my new job. Even though you listeners are listening to this like weeks and maybe even months after I started this job, but it's currently been about, I don't know, four weeks, six weeks, six weeks, and I'm in orientation. How long do you have it for? I don't know. Because it changed. I thought my manager said I was going to do orientation for six weeks. So this is a new specialty. It's ICU. And to be honest, I was a little worried that I was not going to get enough orientation because they really need people. They have some people out sick and then somebody moved and whatever, Um, like out sick on long-term leave. So I got Mm. the feeling that they were like, want to just kind of get me in there and working as soon as possible. And it's like uh, not a – it's like – our hospital is small. We don't do open heart surgeries. We it's the ICU is very um, controlled. There's only so many things that we do there, mm-hmm. and so a lot of it I have some experience in anyway working on step down units. So I was like, cool, six weeks seems reasonable to me. When she told me that's what it was going to be, but and so it was going to be four weeks on days and two weeks on nights, and then I got scheduled for day shift for like several more weeks which I'm not complaining about because I like day shift. But I was like, huh, that's interesting. It seems my orientation has been extended and nobody's telling me anything about it. Am I doing a bad job? No, I don't think, I I doubt it. It's probably just, you know, they were able to extend it. I don't know. I mean, it's always better to have a longer orientation. It is. But it it is hard to think when that happens. I had the same thing happen. I was like, oh man, so I must be doing terribly not know what I'm doing. They're like, oh, she needs longer. Yeah, yeah, she's not ready yet. But I mean, have you talked to anyone else to ask? Um, <clears throat> not uh, sort of. So I'll just go ahead and talk about my orientation experience because it's been yeah. good and bad and weird. You know, it's been all the things. Orientation is really uncomfortable because you're uh, – <sighs> You're sort of responsible for the patients, but there's someone else who's ultimately responsible. And like when you know enough, like when you have enough experience that you're able to take on more ownership of the patient, then sometimes it gets to be a little parsed or something because the other nurse is like trusting you with that and they don't check up on you as much. They might go and like help other nurses or focus on the other patient or whatever. And the some communication gets dropped. So this has been happening to me a lot where like, Um, okay. I'm just kind of start at the beginning. My first day I was supposed to just follow the nurse and learn where things are and learn how to call people and what our resources are and et cetera. But we had something come up the first day I was there that doesn't often happen in our ICU. Um, someone was coded multiple times and then they were admitted to our ICU with, um, targeted temperature management. So, you know, Mm -hmm. when someone, um, and I clearly don't know what I'm talking about yet. So this is why it's going to sound so dumb for all of you experienced ICU nurses. Um, but, uh, when, when someone has been coded or when they've had cardiac arrest and then part of the recovery is cooling them, you want to keep their temperature low to prevent further organ damage, I believe while Mm -hmm. they're recovering. Um, Anyway, so that's what was going on with this patient. And it's not super common that that is one of our admits in this hospital. So they're like, scratch the whole plan. You're taking this patient, you know, just so you can see the patient have the experience, which I was like, cool. 
So then I thought maybe the next day I would get that first day orientation, but it never happened. And so then after that, it was like I would go, I would be with different preceptors. It wasn't always the same person. And everyone was like, Mm. well, what's your experience? And I would just kind of tell them and people didn't really seem to understand what my experience was. And they're like, well, you should just try and take both of the patients and see how you do. So there wasn't really ever any easing into it where I'm like following a nurse and then I'm taking one patient and then I'm taking two. It's always just been like, go ahead and take both patients, try and do everything you can, even though you know absolutely nothing about the extubating someone that's been the hardest thing for me I know nothing about extubating someone and I'm like explain what that means for so when someone is intubated when they have a tube put in their throat to help them breathe you you go through steps to like figure out is it the right time to have that tube removed and try and let them breathe on their own and I have no experience with that. The only times I've seen patients that are ventilated is, you know, when they're very stable vents, like usually a patient will have a trach in a vent. So that's like indicating that they're going to have a vent for a long term and you don't really have to worry about adjusting the settings too often. And like, you don't ever have to worry about removing it. It's there for the long term. Um, so anyway, it was just really hard for me to communicate with the respiratory therapist. It's like you collaborate with them and I have no idea what I'm talking about (laughs) and how to plan it. And everything's fine because the other nurse is there and watching and listening and then they communicate after me. But I'm like, hello, I don't know what... I don't know what the answers to these questions are. What do you think? What do you think? I'm just like Mm -hmm. constantly asking people, well, what do you think? I don't know. I don't know what the best thing is here. Yeah. And just felt out of my element. So why didn't they... Why didn't they understand what your experience was? I think just because there are different people orienting me each day. So they're asking me and I'm like, yeah, I do have, you know, 14 years of nursing experience, but it's all been med surge telly um, and some step down and step down units can vary a lot, but I'm really upfront with everyone. I'm like with vents, I'm a novice. I know nothing. I feel really dumb. I don't know what I'm looking at when I look at the machine. I'm, I'm very clear about that. I'm like, I'm, I know nothing. Um, and a step down unit is like one down from the ICU. So you're a little bit more stable and you're, yeah. So usually people on a step down unit won't have, won't be intubated needing extubation, but it might be that they just recently were extubated Mm. or they need more intense care. Like they might have cardiac drips that need to be titrated more frequently than what you could do on a tele unit. So Mm -hmm. anyway, um, so I have that experience. So some of the drips I see in the ICU are not totally new to me, but some of them are like propofol. Mm -hmm. I've never titrated propofol for a patient. That's sedation, you know, and we have paralytics that we're using and like, um, other things. There's other, there's other sedation medications. Some I haven't even heard of before. And so it's just like, that's, it's just felt really, um, I feel like a dumb nurse for the first time in many years. Like Mm. it feels so uncomfortable. (laughs) It's always uncomfortable. It's always uncomfortable to be out of, no, even if not nursing, just anytime you're completely out of your element, doing something new, learning something new, you feel dumb and like, why are you even doing this? Does anyone have any confidence in me? It's really hard. And I mean, and then especially in nursing, these people's lives are in your hands. Yeah. So it's, 
crucial. <laughs> it's, I mean, thankfully, when you're in orienting or training, you have that other nurse um, mm. making sure that you're being safe. But yeah, that's really tough. I'm surprised that they don't have like one person orienting you. Do you know why that is? Well, is I it think staffing? It's such or a is- small facility that it's like hard to keep it consistent. Like, <clears throat> there was a plan for me to be with the same person all week long, but then they got a shift canceled one day because the census was low. Mm. So then I was with someone who just didn't seem like they really um, were comfortable orienting me and it worked out fine, but it's just, it's not, it's not consistent and everyone's wonderful. Everyone has, you know, skills and knowledge that I can, um, you know, gain from, but that's been challenging. Um, just the inconsistency. Um, and also it's just, you sometimes, learn better from different approaches. Mm -hmm. And so some people's approach really works for me and some doesn't. Um, I did have a really good day. So, so there, there've been a couple nurses who I've primarily been with and one, um, she's been so sweet and wonderful, teaches me things in a way that I can understand, like explains everything. When I ask her a question, she answers that question. She doesn't go off on another subject, you know, it's very easy to communicate. And then, um, there's another nurse who normally doesn't orient. Um, and we ended up together one day and she just made everything make sense for me. She's mm. like, yeah, this is the culture is to always do it this way, but that doesn't really make sense to me. So I just do it this way. And I'm like, cool, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was going to do, you know? And she's yeah. like, this is the reason why we do this. When we do rounds, you just have to say this, this, and that. You don't need to go off on a story. Some people do. They don't actually like it. Just stick to this script. I'm like, okay, thank you. Like, that's so helpful. Yeah. I felt really confident at the end of that day. And then, and then another day I'll work with someone else and I'm just like, oh my gosh, everyone hates me. And I feel so stupid. I feel safe. Like I never feel like anything bad is going to happen because there's so many, like the, the staff there were all really close in proximity. Like everyone's located close together people are always watching out for each other. And it's a Mm -hmm. really experienced group of nurses. Some people have been there for like, a lot of people have been there for 15 plus years. Um, But I just, it's really uh, uncomfortable going from being an expert nurse to a novice. Right. (laughs) That sounds really tough. I mean, just having different preceptors or are they called your preceptor? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Um. Wow. Like that would be, would be tough. I mean, there are good things, like you said, like if you don't have one that you learn, isn't your learning style and then you get another one, that's a really nice thing, like an opportunity, like Mm -hmm. that one nurse, but it's too bad. You don't, you couldn't consistently be with her and you're like, Oh wait, you and I are really good pair. I think that's going to be really beneficial. Let's just stick together. No, it's too bad. But I mean, you know, I, you'll be great, Sarah. You're so experienced. You'll pick it up, you know. I'll be fine eventually. And people now are asking like, well, how much longer do you have on orientation? You seem fine. And I'm like, do I? I don't know. Uh, But yet I still have like many weeks of orientation ahead of me. So yeah, that's great. That's really nice. Especially if you feel, once you start to feel like you're kind of getting your footing and then you still have time. Mm -hmm. That's a, a nice feeling. But you'll get, I can't wait till we do the episode talking about like ICU nursing and like what you do and everything. So I'm so curious about it. <laughs> I don't really know that much about it. 
I'll talk so, to you all about extubation. All the different drips. meds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just it's fascinating and sad. Um, but you recently my, oriented. How was your yes, experience? I had a great experience. So they kind of tried some new things with me. Um, instead of having one, uh, be, being assigned one preceptor, they assigned me two. So because they thought learning from two different people would be beneficial, seeing what they recommend and how they do it would be beneficial. And I think it definitely was um, because my learning style wasn't like the, my main preceptor wasn't my learning style, mm-hmm. but I still learned a ton. And I think there's some things that were really good that she did things a way that it just it like wasn't my style, but I think it helped me. And I've really kept with and picked up a lot of the ways that she did some stuff. Um, and then, you know, when maybe my preceptor was out that day and I got assigned someone else for the day, it, I mean, it was huge. Like, it's like you learn how you do want to do things and how you don't want to do things. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, Oh wow. That's just like a little bit, like there's one of the nurses we work with and she makes, um, just lists for everything that has to be done. Every, any situation, everything, there's a list and a list and another list for this. And you check off all the boxes for everything you've done. Like, I can't do that, but it was really helpful in some ways to see that done. And she does everything by the book, everything by the rule, every single thing has to be done exactly how it's supposed to be. And that was like following her several days was really good because I saw, I picked up some incredibly (laughs) good I think things that have saved life because of the way that she does it and that I will continue to carry on because I've seen how important it is to do it the right way sometimes. It's um, like a and then, checklist manifesto. Right. But then she just, uh, even if it wasn't on a checklist, she's like, I always do it this way. Nope. You always have to do it this way. And um, like, she's known for that, but, it, but there's a reason like she, she's a fantastic nurse and she's been doing it a long time. Um and then there are other nurses of the complete opposite, like, oh, I never do that, you know. So, so having that experience was really good, but I think it, better than yours, where it's like constantly a different person. You don't mm-hmm. have any continuity. I think there's something to say about routine and consistency. And like knowing that when you go in, this is what you do and you're following that nurse. Also, did you have Sorry, I'm going back to you. Um, yeah, so I had a good experience. They <laughs> they had me do 12 weeks, so three mm-hmm. months, and then they extended it another two months on day shifts, but where I'm just on my own, not orienting. Okay. But that would give me more support. So I know that's not orientation, but it gave me more support because once you go to nights, they're just you know fewer like skeleton people, skeleton resources. crew. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. no, we don't have in house anesthesia we don't have I mean there's the doctors aren't there so um just having two more extra months and now they're doing that for all new people I think um Hmm. I don't think new like new hires but maybe like new nurses or new acute care nurses or something like that yeah and it's really Mm -hmm. I think it was really helpful you just have a lot more support on day shift so I think they have kind of like a good thing they're trying out different different ways to see what's the best um, what's going to give our nurses the most support and education, be safest for our patients. And I thought it was a, a good experience. By the end of like three months, I was like, okay, I'm not ready. And then I did it and I went, okay, I know more than I thought I did. And 
I think now I've been working for almost six months and I'm feeling good and learn something new every day, but yeah, crazy. The fast that sounds pace. like a good idea. I might ask, uh, yeah, I'm like considering that right now. I wonder if I ask my manager to do that because I'm going to be on day shift for several more weeks anyway. And I feel part of the problem is like, um, uh, okay, so I do feel like I can do most of the stuff on my own, but there are definitely things where I need someone to hold my hand a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, and the things that I feel like I can do on my own, I'm doing alongside another nurse. So we're kind of stepping on each other's toes. Cause I do have plenty of years of nursing experience. And sometimes we have tele holds in our ICU. Like we're just holding someone that's telemetry status. There's just not a bed for them. And that is me that I've done that my whole career. Um, and even a lot of the ICU stuff I can handle. It's mostly the intubation, the targeted temperature management, and there's a couple other things that have come up that I really don't know anything about. So I would love to be able to just have my own assignment and just have a, like a resource person to ask for help from, you know, we always have a charge nurse and our charge nurses are wonderful and know every patient. Um, but I don't want to monopolize their time and resources. So anyway, I wonder if there's some sort of middle ground there. (laughs) You mean like to extend like we're off orientation, but you're still on days. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. Or even like the rest of the time that I'm on days, like I feel like I could almost come off of orientation next week when I go back. But for those specific situations, I would need some handholding. So I wonder Mm -hmm. if I could just get my own assignment and have, so we have one person that's on light duty right now. So I wonder if like that nurse and I could work together, you know, Mm -hmm. and then I can just ask that person all my questions, but then I do all of the physical work because they're on light duty, you know? Right. Right. Um, and I take responsibility for the patients. I round with the physicians and right. do all the interventions and just ask them my questions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's good because there's so much more support and there's so much more staff there for you during the daytime. Yeah. Like I didn't have an orienter those extra two months. I, I was, I mean, I was out with COVID actually for a huge portion of that. So I didn't get full two months, but, um, on days, like I wasn't orienting anymore. I didn't have anyone assigned, but there are just a lot more people there to ask questions to. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But, same, but having that light hospital, duty, yeah. There's PT. It's funny, the physical therapists at our hospital also do wound care. I'll tell you all about that another time. Um, hmm. But there's like physical therapists, there's respiratory therapists, there's social workers, there's case manager. There's so many people there that you can like get support from in the charge nurse. And yeah. there's other nurses around. So that might be a good option to consider. Another and you could thing bring it up, say, hey, one of these local hospitals I know. Yeah. Are- maybe not local, but they do this and it's worked out really well from what I've heard. Yeah. Yep. It might be a good idea. Um, and because another one of the things that's difficult about orienting when you are an experienced, because I, you know, came as an experienced nurse, just not ICU experience is, um, so like I want to be involved and I want to do the communication with the physicians and do as much of it as I can. But also the other nurses who are orienting me, they have this like longstanding relationship with 
all the physicians and everybody else who they work with. And so they're used to interacting in a certain way. So like the physician will come around and the charge nurse will say, oh yeah, Sarah has that patient. She's with whoever's precepting me that day. So sometimes the doctor will come to me and sometimes they'll go to the other nurse. And if they come to me, I try and do as much of it as I can. But then the other nurses really have a hard time not throwing in their input. And I'm like, I was going to say that. I just haven't gotten there yet. You know, like, Mm -hmm. or actually I already said that like three minutes ago, you just missed it because you weren't over here yet. And it just, that makes me feel a little dumb. I don't know. Yeah. I don't like orientation. I know. (laughs) I just want to work. Being new is really tough, but you'll, I mean, think about it. Like next month we'll be talking about this again and you're going to feel so much better and more steadfast, more in your footing. I'm trying to, there's a word I can't, I can't say properly, but you know, like in your place, not steadfast, you know, like you're going to feel more secure in your job, not steadfast. That makes sense. But, um, Yeah, I'm excited to see kind of the evolving Sarah in your ICU role. Do you like it so far? Yeah, aside from being new, but you like the. I do. I think it's really interesting. I'm loving the stuff that I'm learning. The new stuff. Um, Are most of your patients unconscious? No. No, No. I mean it kind of goes in waves. Like we'll have a bunch of intubated intubated patients at a time, and then. Like today we had almost our whole unit was teleholds. So everybody's conscious. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What an experience. This goes back to all the different facets of nursing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And also interesting, like how we learn. How do you make sure your nurse has gotten good training? And Yeah, nobody did is, a learning is, education uh, assessment on me. <laughs> Well, you, <laughs> you have know to like we do those for our patients. Like, what's the best way that you learn? What do you prefer? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I should bring that up to my manager because that would actually, and you should too. Like, that would actually that be, could be a, a really clinical good ladder project. Yeah, that would be a really good. They should ask everybody before they match you up with a preceptor. Like, what's your learning style? Yes. And if they yeah. can, I understand. Like, nursing st- is there's a shortage and it's hard, and who's willing to? But like. If you happen to match up with somebody, it wouldn't hurt to just ask the question. Yeah. Yeah. True. That's great. Look at us. I, well, this I was, was going to say. Look I know. <laughs> well, cheers to that. This is a fantastic topic, I think. Yeah. And thank you for letting me vent, everyone, for almost this whole episode. <laughs> I think it's been, I mean, it's been really, in, I think, interesting. And people don't know a, much about orientation and how we learn on, on new floors, new units, new nursing area. So thank you for enlightening us. And a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to everyone. We're already past that in your listening land and happy uh, 2023. That's right. Cheers. Cheers.